Own Your Creativity, episode 11. It's sad because he died four years ago from cardiac arrest and there was so much unsaid between us. I, I find like the poems are the only way I can fill up that silence now, the only way I can have a conversation with him. You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm really excited to be talking to poet and critic Carmine Starnino from Montreal, Canada. His most recent books are This Way Out, published in 2009, which was nominated for the Governor General's Award for Poetry, and Lazy Bastardism, Reviews and Essays on Contemporary Poetry, published in 2012. His fifth book of poetry, Leviathan, is due out from Gasparo Press in spring 2016. Welcome to the show, Carmine. Hey, I'm uh, grateful to be here. Thank you. So we've learned a little bit about you from your introduction, but it would be great if you'd elaborate a bit more on what you do and what the daily life of a poet is like. Um, yeah, I wouldn't know. I mean, I don't, I, I don't write poetry every day. Um, <laughs> much of it is spent, spent um, breadwinning, and, and I earn my, my living by uh, magazine editing. So I'm a, I'm a senior editor for uh, Walrus, and um, much of my time is spent sort of commissioning and editing features. Um, the other part of my life is as a uh, critic or essayist, and I spend uh, a fair amount of time thinking about uh, uh, sort of, you know, ideas for, for reviews and, and, um, and uh, essays, um, and putting that into, uh, into action. The poems come when they come, I guess. They... I work on them in the odd hours of the night or, um, you know, between projects. Um, I'm also a binge writer, so if something happens and it feels right to me, I, I tend to stay with it for, for a little bit and, and work on it consistently, obsessively. So um, I also have a family. We have three children, and um, so that takes up also a fair amount of time. So uh, the poem poetry gig isn't a full-time thing, and it isn't um, a thing, really. It's um, not in the way that you would really call it a career. Or, you know, I don't give a lot of readings. I don't do a lot of traveling. Not anymore, really. So um, it's, uh, it's really strange why I keep doing it. I guess uh, it's a kind of a repetition compulsion. You, you know it's bad for you, and you keep doing it anyways. <laughs> So what's your definition of creativity then? Um, that's a good, I mean, it's a good question. I think I'm creative when I'm coming up with useful ideas. Ideas that are, seem to me to be productive and lead to more ideas. Um, I think when, I feel like I'm in, in a good creative state when that happens. When I feel uh, things feel right to me. Um, uh, it's not the, so much that the ideas feel sort of, solid or credible, but that I'm, um, I feel free, um, and, and, and they're coming, um, and they feel, they feel like the kinds of ideas that can lead to more ideas. So it's really a state of, of kind of hyper, hyper idea production, I guess. Hmm. And so do you find that you're creative as the editor in, uh, at the Walrus? Do you find creativity comes into that? Yeah, there are different kinds of creativity. With poetry, I think um, the creative state is an error-prone state in the sense that you want to be feel free enough to make mistakes. And 
and um, since it's a long game that you're playing with the poems, then you're thinking in terms your your sense of time is different. Um, you have no real deadline. You have no no editor waiting for it. You don't have to file it with anybody. So um, uh, you can live with the poems a bit longer or not at all. You can set them aside. You can return to them. Um, so the creative state is a different state. It's a deeper, steeped state. It's not something that you feel necessarily rushed to do. Of course, you feel less inspiration hits, I guess. Um, and it's a different state of affairs. But uh, with the magazine writing or even the essay writing, the creativity is pressed, it's harassed, it's, it's, it's on deadline. And so it's a different state of, of uh, idea production. You were, you know, you're rushed and so um, you're heated up with, you know, with anxiety. And, and so, um, you know, you, you have to produce. It's a different kind of production. It's, 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 it's pressed, it's, it's um, you know, uh, rushed. Um, so it's, both have pleasures to them, I have to say. Um, but it's nice, it's nice with the poems not to, not to feel as though you, you know, there's somebody out the other end waiting for them. So you were saying uh, with your poetry production that it's really about allowing yourself to make errors or mistakes. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, someone once said something to me, and I've never forgotten it. They said that um, poetry is a, is a, a kind of, they're two, it's a kind of letting go, but you do it twice. So when you're working on something, you let go of any inhibitions or feelings or any inhibitions or, or any fears or any sort of sense of what can or can't be done. You have to let go of all of that and let yourself sort of um, explore, you know, all the harebrained you know, notions you have for what, what this poem can be. Um, and, and then when you're done with it, you have to let it go again. You have to let it go into the world. You have to sort of let it go out of your life. So it's a, it's two, it's a sort of a twofold letting go, I think. And so, but that initial letting go, I feel is important. I mean, I feel the toughest, the toughest thing for a writer is to give themselves permission to do certain things. Um, often what holds us back is some notion of what we can or can't do. Um, there are no rules per se. There's just the rules we uh, sort of lock ourselves into. That's why I feel, you know, and this is something that all poets have felt, that you will read a poem and you'll discover a poet, and you ask, you, tell, you say to yourself, I didn't know you could do that. And, and those, you know, those are sort of pivot books or, you know, pivot poets and, and often what that means is when you say to yourself, you know, I didn't know you could do that, is that you, you had never given yourself permission to do that kind of thing. And, uh, and I feel, and so I feel that's the hardest thing when writing, which is coming, which is being in that creative state and coming up with ideas and not in, immediately saying that can't work. Um, you know, uh, staying with it a little longer, um, with the with the idea, you know, exploring it. That that I think there is a kind of pleasure in that. I have to say that um, it's a kind of pleasure that comes with getting older. I remember when I was younger, um, I did feel like I was in a little bit of a rush. I, mean, I did feel like I had to, you know, uh, get a poem on the on the paper or on the computer. I had to get it done. I had to get it. 
completed, I had to, I had to, have, I had to send it out. You know, I, I felt like I was in a hurry to, to establish myself, or you know, as much as we can, I guess, in poetry. Um, um, but as I'm older, I feel like I'm more prone to keeping a particular mood or idea open um, as long as possible to see what what I can do with it and what directions I can push it. I wonder if that drive to produce and get it out there is driven in some way by being in university and studying that. Yeah, I mean, I think the creative writing um, sort of department, the creative writing culture um, does sort of have something to do with that sense of needing to, to produce, uh, needing to be productive, needing to, you know. Um, but it also I feel like it becomes particularly exacerbated just by the sense of being impatient, being sort of, you know, heated up with, with ideas and, and, and um, uh, just sort of, you know, exploding with, with the sense that you have something to say. There's a, there's a particular, I think there's, a, there's something to being young and, 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 um, and discovering poetry and, and, and feeling excited by it, that, that sort of uh, becomes a kind of a powerful driver or motivator in, 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 uh, um, in, in getting poems written uh, bad or good. You're just, you're just writing all the time. You're thinking about poetry all the time. You're reading all the time. Um, and uh, um, and that somehow that slows down a little bit more as you get older. I feel, um, and um, as your sort of sense of things, uh, you know, establishes itself, you're 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 not as needy anymore to get people to pay attention to you, um, and so you direct your poem, your your attention a little more to to sort of the. The poem as a as an experience, as a process, rather than as as a as a product. Right. Yeah, I can definitely relate uh, to that kind of slowing down and not needing to produce as much and get noticed. Um, I, I've noticed that as the years go on. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I feel as I get older is that the scarcity of good poetry becomes more pronounced in my life. Like it's. Writing well is 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 uh, um, a rare occurrence. Good poems are rare occurrences, and you feel I feel like to respect that uh, um, means to sort of stop treating poetry as a as a Balzacian sort of uh, activity. It's not a question of you know of uh, of how much you write. I used I used to sort of have you know deadlines. How many poems did I write this month? many poems have I written in the last few weeks? Uh, you know, I used to go to writing retreats and I used to sort of, you know, have a, have a, a sort of a daily deadline, lines, you know, and, and it was crazy. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to be rid of it, um, um, to, to be frank. Um, but that was, uh, um, that was then and now I feel um, that uh, part of writing is, is in a, part of the reason I write is, is or part of the thing, Part of the thinking that motivates me is the, the respect for silence. I mean, it sounds a bit highfalutin, I know, but it's it's a respect for sort of the the, the scarcity of of truly great writing and um, uh, and feeling that since you know no one really is is waiting or on any of the stuff that I'm writing, I might as well just try to make it as good as possible. Right. <laughs> Um, have you ever had a time in your life where you weren't connected to 
a creative process or source? Yeah. And what was that like? I think all the time. And I think it becomes more difficult when you're a parent. Um, mm. It's hard to find those moments of freedom, those moments of silence. I think the other aspect of cre the creative act is that it's a selfish act in the sense that, you know, you are creative because you are stealing time away from other things. Mm. Uh, and that kind of, that theft becomes even more difficult to sort of defend when you have a family. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I feel it's difficult for me to get connected to the creative, to that creativity all the time. I think it's a constant battle to find a, a moment of silence and a moment of quiet you know, and, um, and returning to, to uh, uh, you know, a, a draft or a poem that I've been working on or idea that I've had uh, sort of lingering. Do you find it difficult to return to an idea that you've put aside for a while? It can be difficult, yeah. I mean, I think the important thing for me is is to strike when an idea hits me, meaning that I always try to have a pen or paper around. Um, I feel like it, for those, I end up writing or completing poems on a computer, like I think like a lot of us do maybe. But, um, but I feel like that initial impulse needs to be connected to paper through pen or pencil. And I feel that it sounds weird, but I feel like if that happens, if I've jotted a word down or if I've, you know, scribbled uh, a couple of words or a phrase or a sentence, if that happens, then all that energy is trapped in that moment and I can return to it again and again. But mm -hmm. if that doesn't, if I wait too long, then I've lost it. I feel the fire has gone out. So right. it's, it's strange what I'm saying, I know, but, but um, I feel I have, to, I have to, like, it's as if it's some spirit I have to trap in its genie bottle or something, and I have to do it right away, and it has to be done physically. I have to get a pen or a piece of paper and write something down, and that act of writing, that tactile, physical act, somehow traps the moment so that I can return to it again. I'm in the exact same way. I, I start all of my writing and stories, essays, poems uh, on, on paper with pen or pencil, and, uh, and then I go to the computer. But I wonder, do you think that the next generation of poets or, or writers just in general are going to maybe have that same experience, or is it just going to be right straight to the computer, do you think? You know, it's funny. I went to an open mic reading uh, a couple of weeks ago. One of the, um, I, don't go, I generally don't go to a lot of them, um, but I went to one with a friend who was reading here in Toronto, and... Um, and all the open mic readers, generally young, generally very young millennials on the younger side, I think, um, were reading poems from their cell phones. Hmm. Um, they had, and one of them said that he had, you know, that that's what he told me later, that's what he did. He just, you know, because I was curious. I said, you know, do you write on that phone as well? And he said, yeah. So, um, so I would imagine that's happening a lot. Uh, I think, um, you know, given how how glued you know, uh, young people are to their cell phones or smartphones or Androids or whatever, um, that, uh, you know, that whatever information they get from those phones, whatever, uh, as connected as they are with, through them or with them, that they're, they're that, you know, their, their creativity is being explored through that phone as well. Mm -hmm. And yet, like, you know, I, I'm a, a big buyer of, you know, fountain pens and notebooks and, um, you know, a big fetishist for that kind of uh, paper pen uh, business. Um, and whenever I go into one of these shops, I see a lot of young people, um, you know, they're buying, they're looking at pencils, they're looking at notebooks. Um, I don't think that culture is dying. I think, 
you know, I think it's living, it's either living sort of um, at, at the same historical moment as, as sort of the cell phone or smart, smartphone kind of writers, um, or maybe those writers as well explore, you know, uh, some of their creativity through pen and paper. I don't, I guess it's a long-winded way of saying is that I, I was surprised to see people reading from their cell phones, but I know also from experience that that it's also a, 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 um, that culture, um, that community, generation um, is also interested in paper. So I don't, I'm not worried. I mean, I think that they're, they're going to have to find their way um, using whatever technology is available um, uh, to them. But um, the, the, there is something, I think, intrinsic to the tactile experience uh, sort of part of creativity. I, it's it's it'll be in, hard to sort of um, get rid of it. I think it'd be hard to get rid of it. It's you know um, it's like painting or sculpture. At a certain point, it's it, it, it's 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 a, a part of the medium. I think, mm -hmm. um, and and uh, it has to be a part of. It ha I think it has to be a part of every working poet's practice, which is to have pen and paper <laughs> and write. Uh, at some point, your poems using those those tools. Have you ever had a moment in time where you had this aha moment related to the importance of creativity in your life? And can you elaborate on that? I don't know if I've had those moments. I've seen, I've certainly had moments where working on a poem, I've connected with sort of insights that I didn't know I, I harbored, or ideas about my family mm -hmm. um, or myself that I didn't know I had. Um, I've certainly had breakthrough moments in writing poems, uh, you know, moments of surprise where you, you know, you say to yourself, oh, so that's what I was thinking. Of. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the ways in which I think poetry has been important to me is that it's, it's, um, revealed aspects of my relationship to my parents, particularly my father, that I didn't think were there, um. One of the subjects that I, my dad is something, someone I write about constantly. And I'm, as much as I try to stop doing it, I keep doing it. And um, it's not, it's not unusual to have, to write about your parents, obviously. I, I but for me, given that, you know, he, I grew up, the man I grew up with wasn't, didn't really mean anything to me. Like, he wasn't really a father figure to me. I mean, I know it sounds cruel. I don't mean to say it that way. He was a, he was a good man, but I, and, you know, and I loved him. I mean, he died uh, four years ago, um, but, uh, but he, he wasn't a great presence in my life. Like, I found my father figures elsewhere, mentors elsewhere. I didn't learn very much from him, I have to say. Um, and, um, and yet, like, he, I circle him constantly in my poems. I return to him all the time. I, I worry about him in my poems, even though he's gone. I wonder, you know, I wonder what he was thinking at this particular time or that particular time. I, He's become uh, an, a, a major subject for me. Um, his ordinariness, his you know, um, sort of blandness, his his uh, you know, all, all, every unsurprising, boring, dull quality he had. You know, I I sort of I I study. I you know I, I look at and I and I explore. Um, and I'm not entirely sure why, but it's, I've become, I've grown much closer to him through my poems and I've grown to understand him more uh, through my poems than I ever did 
in real life. It's sad because I because we he died four years ago from um, cardiac arrest, and uh, and there was so much unsaid between us. Um, and yet I, I I find like the poems are the only way I can fill up that silence now. The only way I can have a conversation with him. That's so touching the way that you describe your fascination in circling around the idea of your father. Are there particular books of your poetry where you have a lot of poems about your father? Or are they sprinkled? Oh, and every one of them. Yeah. Every one of them, yeah. And the most recent one coming out, Leviathan, is is um, mostly about uh, sort of uh, his uh, death uh, mm-hmm. and, I guess, the this, this stages of bereavement um, that I went through. Uh, well, technically, it wasn't bereavement. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't any kind of like shock or panic or, um, but something unlocked in, in me. Um, and, you know, I, I, I began to return to a lot of the memories I had of him. Um, and, uh, and it became uh, sort of a trigger to explore my sense of being a man, my sense of being a father, and my sense of being a husband. Um, suddenly he sort of became a way, his life and his death became a way for me to explore all of it. Um, yeah, so he's in all the books, particularly in the la- in the in the most recent one. I, it'd be nice to think that I've exorcised him and I could move on, but I, I can't make any promises. <laughs> so it's coming out in the spring of 2016. Do you have a specific uh, date that it's going to be coming out? I well, it's coming out with Gaspro and um, and Andrew. Uh, uh, you know, has made certain uh, promises. So I think April. I think. Sometime in April. Okay. Great. We'll be on the lookout for that then. So we come to the part of the show called the Creative Surge segment, and it's just short answer questions. So are you ready? Uh, Yes. All right. (laughs) So what's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received about writing poems is to put them aside before showing them to anyone. I think uh, there was a Greek poet who once suggested putting them aside for seven years. Mm, My goodness. But there... Um, but I, but the, the, really the best advice was, was sort of um, waiting a, a beat, waiting, you know, um, before uh, you know showing your poems to anyone, having, having letting them sit for a while, letting them sort of collect a little bit of dust before before sharing them to, with anyone. And why is that a good thing? Um, because I, I, I think the rush to have someone read the poem somehow locks the poems into a, into a certain state that makes it difficult to, to sort of. Uh, bend them elsewhere. Um, somehow letting the poem sit for a while um, and uh, finding it and creating a, a sort of a, a, a space around the poem, a safe space, so to speak, you know, where you can return to the poem, um, um, you know, after after a period of time, um, you know, uh, when things when you have fresher eyes or cooler eyes, I think. Um, is uh, as always, you know, made made me uh, more effective as a as a reviser, as a in terms of you know, as a, in terms of revision, in terms of seeing you know what the poems need or require, or in many ways pushing the poems uh, in new directions. Um, there are a lot of poems. There are a couple of poems, no more than a couple of poems in the new book that um, I thought were completed. I set them aside for about a month or so, went back and, and I pushed them again to do something else. And then I set them aside for a few more weeks. I went back and thought, you know what, I can do more with this. And I did. And, 
And I know that if at some point I had showed them to somebody, if I didn't share them with somebody, then it would have been locked into that stage. And it would have been difficult for me to feel as though I could do more with them. Can you share one of your personal habits that contributes to your creative success? I believe in the drip method of, of creativity, of writing, meaning that um, any time spent on a poem, no matter how minor, is uh, adds up. So um, I know people require like large periods of time in which to write, but um, I always try to make a point to sort of have a draft with me of something or, you know, something up on my screen, on the computer. Um, I always try to make a point to return to a, a, a poem as much as I can. And it might be for a few minutes, it might be for 10 minutes, uh, um, you know, maybe while the kids are taking a bath. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll sit in the bathroom watching them, you know, have a draft of something that I'm reading over, you know. Um, you know what a great image. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it probably doesn't make me a great parent to be so distracted. But, um, <laughs> but the, the, uh, if there's one thing I, I, I always encourage uh, creative writing students um, or young poets is, is to um, keep your hand in as much as possible, no matter how little the time spent on the poem. I do believe it all adds up. I do believe that, that, um, um, that, that uh, uh, sort of pushing that poem a little at a time, a line at a time, a word at a time, um, particularly when you have a hard time coming up with large stretches of, of writing blocks, um, then, it, you know, it, 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 can, it can be effective. What person inspires you to be creative? Oh, man, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, it's going to seem odd, but, like, you know, when I was younger, the, the people who I admired most were people who were always winning the prizes, and now the people I admire most are the people, parents, who, who I can see are being productive writing poems, keep publishing books, uh, keep writing essays. Um, and so I, I think what I admire, the people who keep me, I don't know if there are particular kinds of people who keep me uh, creative, but the sense that, um, or the reality, or the, you know, the evidence, actually, the evidence that you can uh, have a family um, and you can keep sort of uh, writing poems is is one that I is important to me. I've taken to heart, and I've you know, I've uh, it's given me courage. And what's your favorite work of art? It can be anything—a film, a poem, song, sculpture, painting, any kind of art. There is one artist that moves me um, tremendously um, all the time is uh, Caravaggio. Um, there is some, particularly his religious paintings. Um, uh, there's one that. Um, Actually, doesn't I think about it all the time? Our day doesn't go by when I don't think of it. It's called the Doubting Thomas, and there's, it's an image of very, it's a very realistic uh, sort of rendition of of sort of uh, Jesus uh, taking Thomas's hand and and inserting it into his the wound on his on his side, and it's a it's a very unsettling, um, disturbing image because it's so real. It looks so realistic and. Um, the and that so and, and for me it's it's Caravaggio's courage and, and being frank about that kind of iconography I I uh, it's always moved me that you know that he was able to uh, uh, to think so um, so frankly about about uh, you know about those religious subjects and do you have a favorite quote that inspires you um, I do I mean it's 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 a it's one by Charles Wright. Um, you know, it's his, it's his definition of poetry. I think there's, you know, 
definitions of poetry are sort of, you know, chock a block. There's so many of them, but there's this one has always sort of meant something to me because it's so it's so stripped of any kind of like pretension. I mean, he he says poetry is language that sounds better and means more. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's, I, I find it hard to improve on that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Own Your Creativity podcast. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, I know this has been great. Thanks so much for inviting me, and I'm looking forward to hearing the others as well. Wow, what a great interview to end my launch week here at Own Your Creativity. So much food for thought from Carmine Starnino, including the drip method, and particularly interesting was his comment that often the toughest thing for a writer to do is give themselves permission. What about you? Have you found it difficult to give yourself permission to try new things in your writing? Would love to hear from you on that topic. You can find me on Facebook in the Own Your Creativity Cafe. Join us there to continue the conversation. I have had an absolute blast interviewing everyone and putting together this show for you, my listeners, during this 10-day launch period. Now, Own Your Creativity will go to its regular schedule of once a week, every Wednesday. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. And one final reminder about the Digital Swag Bag Contest. It has four gifts to inspire your creativity. And the contest ends tonight, March 23rd at midnight EDT. To enter, sign up to my mailing list at bit.ly forward slash OYC contest. And to find out more about what's in the goodie bag, go to my website, ownyourcreativity.com. Next week, I'll be talking to Jeff Hughes of Madhouse Media. He's a passionate advocate of indie ebook publishing and also blogs regularly about writing, creativity, and the business of independent publishing. So tune in next Wednesday for that interview. Until next week, own your creativity!